Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Well, I'm good. I mean, I'm still sort of, you know, the heart's, the heart's a pitter-patter after I got the bat signal that uh, we must podcast. Uh, the, the bat signal, no less. And the bat signal coming from a slightly unusual place, too. That's, that's right. That's right. You are in my time zone. I, I am in your time zone. So uh, a, a little bit of a life update. I'm in Singapore for the next few months with work. And actually, the last time we podcasted, I was in quarantine in Australia and I was dying to talk about it, except for the fact that I had decided to surprise my parents. And my mom still listens to this podcast, so I couldn't mention it. But um, but now I'm on this side of the Pacific and it feels somewhat appropriate given the topic that we're about to dive into. Well, you you tell me. You're the one that sent up the bat signal, so you take the lead. So, I'm pretty proud of my country. Um, oh, you know, no. Australian. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Here we go. Would right? you start? Would you start out? Would you start out any conversation with just like an overly generic <laughs> praise? You know, it's going to be ugly. But continue. It's oh. like you know, James is James is a friend. <laughs> but <laughs> but yes the but is I'm very, I, you know I, i'm proud of james but mm, it, anyhow uh, continue <laughs> every now and then something ha- i mean every now and then something comes out of australia where you just put your head in your hands and you think oh man what what were they thinking and uh it's it's really coming to fruition it started um it started last year and what i'm talking about is uh the the, the proposed and what is now getting close to no longer being proposed media bargaining laws that the Australian government put forward that's basically going to govern the way that uh, the tech giants, and let's be very specific, they've created the legislation so it primarily applies to Facebook and Google interface with um, uh, media and journalism. And on its face, this seems like a pretty good thing to be doing, right? Well, Uh, well, it's interesting because the way they frame it is that News organizations are in an unfair bargaining position mm. with Facebook and Google, which is actually, I think, very interesting and actually pretty compelling framing because mm. you know you go back to, I mean, <laughs> if I invoke aggregation theory, mm. the, the, the sort of point of it is because an aggregator has all the users on their platform, suppliers have to come onto the platform on the platform's terms. Like that's that, that, that that's sort of the point. Yeah. And so if you stop the sentence there on the platform's terms or on the aggregator's terms, I should say, uh, it's like, yeah, that sounds like unequal and sort of unequal bargaining position. Uh, and I think that it's, so if you just like keep it constrained to that, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. It is sort of un, uh, unequal. Ah, but most of the people listening to this will have probably been on a journey f- with us for the past seven years, I think we're up to now, eight years. And they would know that the reason that that's the case is is not just because of uh, – it's not because of the tech platform's per se, it's because the fundamental nature of the internet has broken the geographic monopoly that things like newspapers have. And no longer do you have to get your news source from uh, uh, maybe in Sydney, the Sydney Morning Herald, or perhaps you read the Australian. Um, if, if you're interested in, a, in a, a more broad news perspective in Australia, you can go to the New York Times, or you can go to the Wall Street Journal, or you can go to Crikey, or if you're interested in tech news, you can jump on Stratechery. And it's it's it, the, the the geographic monopoly has been has been broken and 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 uh, well, well, well the other thing too is implicit in what you're saying that you can go to all these sites 
is that these decisions are all being made by the user. Right. They're not being made by Google. And I think that's that's where that's where this phrasing of unequal bargaining position falls apart because it implies that there is something to be bargained over. When the reality is the fundamental problem facing all news organizations is that users are not choosing to go to them directly. They're choosing to go to Google or choosing to go to Facebook and thus in arriving at their sites via those channels. The reality is Google like this, this articulation would make much more sense if Google like via Chrome, for example, like Mm. everyone had to use Chrome and Chrome would only go to the Australian like if the if like you know if Google allowed it to happen right. and the user couldn't choose to go there, but that's that's not how it works. The the fundamental problem they're facing is that everyone is choosing to use Google, and 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 that's why Google has relative power. I mean, there've been so many forces tearing at the business models of these news companies, like the, the classifieds one, where. That, that, was, that was a great business for newspapers because they had distribution and so you could sell something and you'd get it out to a whole bunch of people in the local area. But then Craigslist and, 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 the, and, and, and its ilk came along and all of a sudden it was digital, it was easily searchable, it was always up to date, it wasn't yesterday's thing. You could get in contact with the person super quickly, you could put abstractions between them so they would manage all the emails. There's so many advantages and, and that played out there. And then, you know, the advertising stuff, if you wanted to advertise and, and from a brand perspective and, and reach people, yeah, a full-page newspaper ad in a region was great. But again, Facebook, fantastic for brand advertising, direct response advertising, Google so much better. And so, they've had all these forces pulling on their business model. And yeah, it's a, it's a really nice story. It's a really great framing from the perspective of the newspapers to come along and say these tech giants have un, unequal bargaining power with the media organizations, but it just betrays a fundamental misunderstanding of the internet and, and how we ended up here. The reason why you know this is backwards is because what's implied in all these media codes, whether it be in Australia or there's, you've, there's been similar initiatives in Europe, is they all include a clause that Facebook and Google, which is basically what it's all about, mm. uh, cannot exit the market or, or they cannot choose to not serve th- these papers, which which sort of like makes the point because the, the famous example, I think, was in Spain. And I think yeah. it was 2013. And Spain passed a law saying that Google needed to pay newspapers that appeared in Google News. And, and which is, you know, they're, 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 the, the the tab on Google that that only surfaces news. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Google's like, okay, we just won't list any Spanish newspapers. And what happened was all the Spanish newspapers lost millions mm-hmm. and millions and millions of clicks and thus lots and lots of money from the advertising they would have displayed to those users. Mm-hmm. And within a matter of weeks, the newspapers were going to the government saying, you have to repeal this law <laughs> because it's costing us so much money. And that was so that's that what was the point about that is Google was contributing far more to the newspapers than the newspapers were contributing to Google. And right. this is this is where your geographic point comes in because you can get news from anywhere else. Spanish newspapers are gone. Fine. I'll get my new, from a French newspaper or from the US newspaper or whatever it might be. Or maybe I just don't really use Google for news. I actually use Google to search for, you know, life insurance. And so it doesn't really matter if it's not there. I, I barely even miss it. 
And the fact of the matter is, all those Spanish newspapers were still accessible via URL. They were still accessible via any other way you want to access them. But the fact of the matter is that Google was contributing far more to the relationship than the other way. And so it's interesting because you actually have two angles on the on the unequal bargaining position. Angle number one is 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 that yes, you could say, well, the Spanish newspapers were clearly in a bad position because they could be completely gone and Google didn't feel the pain mm. at all. And that is like that is that is true. On the flip side, it's also unequal that it became very apparent that Google was contributing far more value mm-hmm. to the newspapers than the newspapers were contributing to Google. So actually What's unfair here? You could make the case, to be clear, let me preempt this. I'm not making this case. I'm just saying you could make this case. You could make the case that actually Google's the one that should be take, going to the government and saying, hey, we're sending all this free traffic to mm-hmm. these publishers. We're not asking for a dime. They should be paying us. But they don't because obviously they're playing a different game. But if you look at it narrowly, that's actually the reality of the way value is flowing. It's it just puts a very different lens on this whole negotiation or, or, or this whole legislation, which is you guys have such unfair bargaining power, but don't you dare leave the bargaining table, like, right? Right, exactly, like, exactly. Yep. I, I think again, as an Australian, and this is a topic that's come up before. That there's another lens on this that's really important to understand. This is the culmination of a Rupert Murdoch war on these digital tech platforms that he's been waging for an incredibly long period of time. And it's important to understand the amount of influence that Murdoch still has in Australia. Um, uh, There's been two former prime ministers recently. One launched one of the most successful petitions. I think it was on one of the Australian government websites ever to call call for a a royal commission into um, News Corp. Uh, another one who who feels, and reasonably so in my estimation, that the, the Murdoch newspapers sniping at him was part of the reason why he lost the prime ministership. That Murdoch has an incredible amount of power in Australia, and I think that's why he's focused here. Yeah, and, and for people who aren't aware, Rupert Murdoch is Australian. He's mm. he started in Australia. That's mm-hmm. the, sort of the foundation of his empire. It's not where he makes the most money now, but it's always sort of like been his base. And he, he he loves what he does. He loves the amount of influence. He's on the record as quoting like there was this very interesting New Yorker profile on him where they asked, you know, what he loves most about his job. And it's like, you know, making the stories, finding the, finding the news, making the stories, having influence. Like, I love it. And, and it hasn't changed. What has changed is the internet has kind of undercut the business model of a lot of the newspapers that he very early, very early invested in. And he's right, obviously- Because he sort of had it all, right? Because he both right. had the influence that he actually craves. And he made a whole bucket load of money along the way because of the sort of geographic monopolies and, the, and all these sort of inherited advantages that flu- that newspapers had before the internet right um but the money's kind of the money's been a little bit more of a struggle at least in the traditional uh news related industries and right which, which which provides a solution well i have the influence let me use right. the influence to to patch up the money situation and that's exactly what he's done he's he's done a remarkable job of framing this as a saving journalism uh which i i i find disingenuous given uh, some of the journalism that his news empire has put out um, over the past 12 months. Um, 
Uh, longer even. 12 months? 12, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, But I, I mean, I'm thinking in particular to the role that um, Fox played in terms of like the, the, the effective assault on democracy and how he aided and abetted Trump in, in the States. But parking all that, he's just got a hell of a lot of influence in Australia. And effectively, this feels like the politicians, the centre-right government in Australia, led by Scott Morrison and, and Treasurer Freienberg, cozying up to Murdoch with a kind of wink-wink, nod-nod, you know, we will, let's frame this as a question of journalism and the tech giants in America killing journalism in Australia. But really what's going on is a majority, I think, of the money that um, if this were legislated, just the way that it's been written, and I think it has to do with with page views, I, I, like a vast majority, not a vast, but a majority of that money would end up flowing to Murdoch. And I, I wrote about this. Well, 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 just like, let, let's jump in and like, and let, mm. let, let's summarize sort of what we're what we're talking about. So obviously, I've written about the media code. Uh, you've probably seen seen snippets about it, but broadly speaking, what the media code requires is that any entity that's defined as being some like a what i can't remember what the exact turn is like uh who, who's defined as having this unfair bargaining relationship with news is required to then bargain with news organizations under this media bargaining code mm. and the media bargaining code is of is a terrible one from the perspective of facebook and google because it's completely tilted towards the news organizations and the reason is because number one any news organization can force them into this bargaining as long as they've had over $150,000 in revenue with like in the last three years or so, or like per year or so, three of the last five, whatever. So basically uh, some startup is not going to qualify, but mm. you know, a relatively small, small local publication could qualify in this negotiation. They have to basically uh, come to an agreement on what the we'll use Google as a standard, it's Google or Facebook. What they have to pay for links, what they have to pay for snippets, what they have to uh, they have to give notification of algorithmic changes. So like, oh, you, there's mm. you know Google changes the rankings and they have to scramble and respond to that. They have to notify them ahead of time, uh, and and all these things in addition to like you know just general payments for for news. If they can't come to an agreement, so number one, it requires Google or Facebook to come to the table. They can't exit. If they choose to, if they are brought under this code, they have to, they cannot display, they have to display all news or no news. And that includes foreign news sources. So if you're brought under the bargaining code and you say, I don't want to negotiate with the Australian, well, then you also can't display the New York Times, even though it's not even an Australian newspaper. So that, again, that gets to the like force them to stay in. Then if you go to this bargaining, if they can't come to agreement, it goes to arbitration. And this arbitration is what's called baseball-style arbitration, which means the news organization, say the Australian, says this is the price, and Google comes back and says this is the price, and the arbitrator picks one of the two prices. And and this all this is initiated by the publisher. Like Google and Facebook are all, all sort of have to be responsive to this. And so part of the big problem, though, from sort of the Google and Facebook perspective is the price is one thing. I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money, and the 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 format of the arbitration is going to bias that price to be very high. But also, it sort of fundamentally interferes with how the products work because you're paying for links, you're paying 
You're paying for snippets. You're having to give notifications of your algorithm to a, a select number of folks who, by the way, being news organizations are going to be leaky as all get out, which sort of like messes with the fundamental sort of nature of your product and, you know, invites problems with spam and people gaming it, the algorithm and all these sorts of things. And so it's basically a completely untenable sort of situation if you're a Facebook or Google. Again, not just because of the money, because there's all these other things in the code that just mm. really fundamentally break the product. So sorry, I just want to give that, that no. overview because that's why they've been raising such a fit about it. And this is where the, the characterization, characterization, excuse me, of this has been really unfair in the media broadly. Because they're all framing it as Google and Facebook don't want to pay for news. And the real problem that Google has really had from the beginning is this idea that if we just surface a result from the Australian in search results, we have to pay for that. That breaks search. That breaks. And we have to show our algorithm. No way. Those are the things that that they've really been sort of worked up about in this code in addition to the money stuff, but the money stuff, they've always been sort of like, okay, we'll pay, but you can't break our product. Uh, it, it makes a ton of sense, right? Like paying for every search link, like starting down that, um, <laughs> starting down that path is dangerous. Now, again, going back to that, the, with that explanation, going back to the framing about this being about quality journalism, there've been a few tells that the government hasn't really been as focused on this being uh, uh, really about journalism as it was so much about helping out Murdoch and Murdoch helping out the government in response. Um, and the biggest one of those was the initial draft of the code. So the ACCC, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, is a uh, is a um, uh, government department that's been leading the inquiry. And when they put out the initial draft, they excluded the most trusted news source in Australia, which is the Australian Broadcasting Commission. So it's a government-funded news organization, very popular with Australians. Of all the news sources in Australia, uh, it's considered by Australians to be the most trustworthy. And the initial draft of this excluded the government broadcaster. And people were like, Mr. Rod Sims, who's the head of the ACCC, uh, they asked him, like, why has this been excluded? And I, I think he went on, on record saying, I'm not sure I actually wanted them in. And it ended up being opposition. The opposition parties in Australia put so much pressure on the government that they ended up including them. But the fact that the, that the government proposed this, and again, ostensibly under the, the auspices of quality journalism, and yet the most trusted journalistic organization in Australia, the ABC, and another government-funded broadcaster, the SBS, both very well regarded, were initially excluded, really seems to me to be a tell that this wasn't so much about funding quality journalism as it was putting a buck in the back pocket of Rupert Murdoch. Well, <laughs> before we get to motivations, there has been an update on the uh, – and I think this actually augment your case. So basically, the, the code has gone through a few revisions, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the big news this week is – well, there's a few big items mm. – uh, so the code, it looks like it's going to pass. It passed, what is it? You, the, what, do, what do you call it? The Your House, House of, of Representatives, Repre- representatives okay. which is, yeah, it's it's like the, it's the lower house. It's, yeah, it's um, the same as the U.S., basically. Yeah. And, and it needs to go through the, the Senate. Correct. Uh, but there's no president. It's just prime minister. So once it goes through, it's going to go through. Mm. Um, is that Google has 
has announced a huge deal with the News Corporation, which is they are going to pay them uh, what appears to be many, many millions of dollars. And this is, by the way, the News Corporation with the News Corporation all over the world. Mm. And that payment is going to come via the Google News Showcase, which is a new product they've been launching in a few countries. Uh, it coincidentally seems to launch in every country that is uh, – <laughs> is considering this sort of legislation mm. and uh and the, the news corporation is uh is very is very grateful they're very excited about about this this sort of agreement yeah i mean news corp put out a press release and it um uh, uh, uh earlier today and it it made me um it, it made me throw up in my mouth a little bit because um the, the end of it, uh, it, it, it goes particular thanks are certainly due to the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission's Rod Sims and his ABLE team, along with the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison and Treasurer Josh Frydenberg, who stood firm for their country and for journalism. And I, I would characterize this as, as, as not quite like that. This feels to me to be a pretty horrendous case of regulatory capture. And it's, it's kind of crazy because... All the media coverage of this inside of Australia, unsurprisingly, has been completely one-sided. Every one of the traditional media outlets has completely bought on to Rupert Murdoch's framing of this, which is, yeah, these evil tech giants uh, are, 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 have, have stolen our lunch, and this is the chance for like the for the for the little Aussie battler newspapers to to get some money back. But the the fact that this international agreement has has just been made with News Corp and the fact that so much of the money under this legislation is going to flow to News Corp, it's just going to entrench incumbents and uh, and I don't really feel like do anything to help new uh, new media business models emerge. It's just going to prop up the old ones, and I don't know they're working so well for us right now. Well, so the other the other piece of this agreement is uh, the the uh, the Australian Treasurer. Uh, uh, how, how, do you, how do you pronounce his name again? Uh, uh, Frydenberg. Frydenberg. Josh Josh Frydenberg. In a now sort of a talking about the code and sort of the, in the context of this deal sort of strongly suggested that Google can avoid being categorized as a dominant player under this media bargaining code. So the media bargaining code with these terrible provisions, which again are not just the arbitration and payment bit, but also the algorithmic disclosure bit, the payment for snippets and links sort of bit, all those, all those things is still going to pass, but Google is not going to be categorized under the code. And the, the, I think the insinuation that we are meant to draw, uh, and I feel pretty confident about this, is that because Google played ball with the News Corp, they're not going to be they're not going to be under this this law. And so, yes, they will pay, but they're not going to have to disclose the algorithm. They're not going to have to like pay, you know break search or pay for search results. And that's sort of the long and short of it. And I think that that puts the thanks in this announcement in context, which is thank you for holding a gun to Google's head mm. about their algorithm and about their Google search results such that they paid. Even We don't really care where the money came from. We, we, we didn't actually care about links or snippets. We just wanted money. We're getting the money so you can let Google off the hook. So Google blinked. But the other big news that happened just before we started recording is that Facebook did not. And right now, um, 
Facebook, and it's not clear entirely how they did it. It may have been done algorithmically because it it really seems to have been done uh, with a very broad brush rather than targeted. And I, I, I guess that is appropriate given Facebook. But Facebook has pulled all news links from a whole bunch of um, different pages, and that you go to uh, go to all these pages, and including some government pages, and there's simply anything that seems to have been tagged news has been removed and it, it even looks to have affected uh, Facebook's own page in Australia and so uh, it, it, perhaps unexpected I, I mean Google was the one that was m- much more strenuously threatening to pull out of Australia should this code pass um, it seems that they've done 11th hour deals with all these publishers and um, uh, uh, but Facebook on the other hand has decided to um, pursue the nuclear option Well, so it's interesting because I think this gets into a real fundamental difference between Facebook and Google. And and I think that – so the the, the issue from with Google, and just that I can sort of take the publisher perspective for a Mm. moment, is that no one signed up for Google, right? It's always been an opt-out system. And Google would always say, hey, you can set your robots.txt to not be included in Google Mm -hmm. and we won't index you. And, of course, no one does that because Google drives a lot of traffic. And so that's why you know there is – there is something to the uneven bargaining bit, right? Again, it's uneven because ultimately you're talking about user decisions, but Google did create the conditions such that the user would never even desire to go to your URL because it was all in Google. And when they got so much content, like, and that's why it's an appealing sort of framing, right? It's the problem is that the solutions don't really match the actual problem, but the frame, there is something to it where it's like, yeah, Google just kind of swooped in over the top and we're kind of stuck. And, and I think that's part of why Google, you know, was all, was always more engaged in this in part because they wanted to preserve that capability for search where they can Mm. index anything and anything will be available in search. And they're like, fine, fine, fine. We'll pay, right? Because they wanted to keep the ability to have indexed everything. Facebook, on the other hand, doesn't index anything. Links on Facebook, I mean, broadly speaking, links on Facebook are there because users actively put them there or news organizations actively put Mm. them there. Facebook is not going out and scraping the web and putting stuff on Facebook. It's there because people put it there. And I think that's why Facebook... To the extent, again, I think the way that if you actually think through the implications with the Google and the framing bargaining stuff, it falls apart. But at, at, there is an angle where you can see what it's talking about. The Facebook one, there is no angle. Facebook is pure upside for these publishers, as demonstrated by the fact that Facebook's not taking anything and coming over the top. All they are is a place where people can can share stuff. And the yeah. fact that people are sharing stuff on Facebook is pure additive to the publishers. Right. And it's at, there's no framing where it is Facebook owes the publishers anything. Facebook's yeah. value comes from the network. It comes from the fact your friends and family are there. It doesn't come from news publishers. And so the idea that Facebook ought to pay a dime is BS. And, and now, should they pay a dime because of the guns in their head? Perhaps. Should they pay a dime to avoid government regulation? Perhaps. But there's no economic or technical argument for why yep. Facebook owes publishers anything. Right. It's it's the open web and Google traversing the open web versus Facebook's walled garden and uh, 
them having to pay because someone's taking something from the open web and planting a link back to it in in the wall garden and yeah with that framing it makes it it, it does indeed make sense though it is also like I, I'm a big believer in the value of the open web and the fact that uh, a gun has been put to the head of what is effectively the pathfinder for everyone on the open web to pay these these organizations or else you're going to have a fundamental aspect of your business model broken. It's, it's just kind of sad to me. Um, Coming back to the Facebook thing, though, it's going to have consequences. Um, it, uh, obviously, that all the all the uh, journalists and all the media organisations uh, inside of Australia are in lockstep right now about how this big evil uh, Silicon Valley tech company has done this just days before the uh, the COVID nineteen vaccine rolls out, and and so many Australians get their news from Facebook, and now where are they going to get news? And it's like. Uh, everyone's blaming Facebook for bullying the Australian government. And it's like, uh, we talked about this, uh, elections have consequences. Well, there's a there's a nested version of this as well, which is legislation has consequences as well. And yep. you write shithouse legislation, do not be surprised if a rational tech company sees that shithouse legislation and decides that it doesn't want to play by the by, by those rules anymore. It's like, okay, we just won't post news anymore. If yeah, that's that, the that way that was you always want the thing is that Google's bargaining position was in some respects weaker because yeah. the, the Google value proposition starts to fall apart if there's like no news sources on Google. And this was, and again, this is why I said that that bargaining thing, there is an angle where it does have sense because all news collectively is very valuable to Google. Any news source individually is not valuable. And I, and that was, you know, again, that part of the framing made sense. The, the, again, the implications and how that plays out were backwards, but that broad thing did make sense. Facebook, on the other hand, to my, I mean, I'm repeating myself, they mm. don't need, they don't need news. They absolutely don't, right? They, they like, and Facebook has found every time they change their algorithm, speaking of algorithm changes to increase friends and family and content, people are happy, right? People, mm. people get unhappy with the more news items that are in there. So Facebook's like, fine, we'll make people completely happy. I mean, I, I, I'm sure like there's a balance there, but by and large, that's part of the issue is that there is no unequal bargaining here because it it really is one way. And so, yeah, I think and I think that's why Facebook is in the end. I, I think Facebook was much less public about it than Google. I think Google raised such a fuss in part because they had no alternative. Well, they're, they're, no they're, 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 like there batna. was there was something to the publisher argument relative mm. to Google. Right. But the problem with Facebook, Facebook's like like honestly. Facebook's BATNA, to use a term, you know, their their best yeah. alternative to negotiate agreement was walk. Yeah. Then their walking was a much more credible threat than Google walking was. Yeah. And 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 right now you think about it, honestly, what is Facebook do does anyone think Facebook's business is gonna be genuinely harmed by this? I mean, Instagram doesn't need any news. You know, Facebook friend pictures of my uh, of my baby or my dog doesn't need doesn't mm. need news. Like, there's going to be tons. Facebook's problem is there's too much content on Facebook. They have to figure out how to sort it and, and I mean, rake it. This is this is leading me to. I mean, <laughs> again, long running listeners will know that I'm I, I, I'm I'm no massive f- fan of Facebook, but um, I, a I'm glad they did this, but b there's another part of me where 
This is going to be, if it, if it sticks, this is going to be a fascinating natural experiment Absolutely. to see yep. what, like the, the extent to which social media and the news that ends up getting posted and, and how anger seems to be the thing that drives the most engagement and Facebook has a business model incentive to drive engagement. When you take all that away, what happens inside of a, a society? I'm kind of curious. I, I mean, it's on, fascinating because on one hand, like the Facebook, it could turn out that and this like your friends and family aren't that interesting and like engagement sort of goes down because there's not right. anything interesting to talk about on the other hand australian facebook users might end up becoming the most engaged and happy facebook users in the world and facebook's like yeah this is pretty great let's kill news everywhere and then boy that would really that would really be sort of dog dog catches tail and has no idea what to do with it right i, I mean also you, you just think about how they've been um uh Pushing groups like the, the, the one of the groups that uh, I can't remember the name, but that related to um, the, the, the stop the steal, I think it was inside the United States. Um, like if the news is taken away and a lot of the news is what's driving people to engage like this on Facebook, it's going to be interesting to see the flow on effects there. So as a as a natural experiment, um, it's going to be endlessly fascinating. But I guess this. Uh, this brings me to the broader point that I want to make, which is there is a really good rationale for considering taxation of these two um, companies. And I, I would actually argue Facebook more so than Google in terms of um, – and, and uh, whatever your framing might be, there are lots of it. Like, But, uh, for example, if you consider this potentially a social ill or an addictive product um, – and it's designed fundamentally to be addictive and drive engagement, like governments have taxed on that basis before. And I actually would be open to uh, uh, like groundbreaking legislation or ground big ideas around this for the government to approach uh, approach the tech industry and say, well, and especially in the case of Australia, because there's been a long running case of perhaps they haven't been paying the, their fair share of income tax, that corporate tax that they should have been through some, some clever accounting. So I'm open to them doing that. And I actually think it's a good thing. What's so frustrating about this legislation is effectively that's what that's what the Australian government has done. It's created legislation that has imposed a tax on these companies. But instead of it going to the Australian taxpayer, instead of it going into general treasury for them to figure out, well, now that we've taxed these companies, what's the best use of these dollars? And maybe we'll put some into media startups, or maybe we'll put some into online education literacy, or maybe we'll, whatever it might be. It's, it's literally like a direct transfer from these tech companies into the pockets, again, primarily of Rupert Murdoch, but like a whole bunch of these other media companies. And it just, it, it, it feels like the Australian government's doing this. And rather than being honest and thoughtful about it, it's abdicating its role and just saying, you know what, we're going to tax you and we're going to hand it over to you. And the Australian taxpayer doesn't see a single dime. And it's really friggin' disappointing. Well, that's exactly what's happening. So, which is why, which is why uh, the News Corp uh, release thanked these politicians uh, yeah. personally. It, 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 it's they have effectively bought themselves uh, a a a personalized tax on another private entity, and that revenue on a regular basis is now effectively flowing into their coffers. It and it, it does so on an ongoing basis, and that's just insane when you stop and think about it. 
I agree. <laughs> I, mean, what, <laughs> I do think the the tax point is an interesting and underappreciated one. In that the when advertising, you know, back in the day, when it was newspapers or, or TV stations or radio stations or whatever it might be, the the company selling the advertising, whether it be the billboard operator or the newspaper or or, or the TV station, they would pay income tax and they pay income tax in the country where the advertising happened because they were in the country where the advertising happened because you had to be in the country mm. for, because it was geographically constrained. So a French sort of newspaper would pay income taxes to the government on the money they made by selling advertising, as an example. I think one of the th- genuine challenges and issues about Facebook and Google sort of dominating advertising is they pay income taxes to the United States. And so, yes, there's still the economic activity in these local countries, but all the profit that Google and Facebook make, they, they pay to the U S to the U S treasury. And so there has been, and this has been a, an underappreciated benefit of the tech industry to the U S where there's been a siphoning of income tax mm. from other countries Basically, into back to the U.S. And so you see these various things like France is, I think, experimented with a digital tax and all these sorts of things where the U.S. will get into it because it's basically a fight over who gets the tax. Mm. Because every tax that Google pays in France, for example, uh, it, they can then take a deduction against their U.S. or a credit against their U.S. taxes because you know because they're they're pay- you don't get double taxed. And so one of the interesting things about this, so just by and large, one that's an interesting point of view around Google and Facebook in particular, sort of centralizing advertising that actually has been an economic benefit to the U.S. government. But number two, it's it's almost a defense of this law because it's a it's a way to get around this income tax challenge and who gets the tax uh, because it's like it is double taxing Google and Facebook because they're paying a tax in Australia just not via the government the government's facilitating it uh, but then they still have to pay you know their income taxes in the U S you know it's sort of a diversion but it's an interesting angle on this whole debate that is sort of I think underappreciated and undercovered. I mean, I think it's a it's a really interesting point, but it, <laughs> here's the thing that I would raise in return. News Corp, there's News Corp Australia with all the Australian subsidiaries, but Google, an American company, has just struck an agreement with News Corp, uh, which is headquartered in New York. I think yeah, it's in, incorporated. incorporated. In Delaware. Yep. Yeah, in Delaware. Like, the Australian government has effectively just... Uh, created a taxation uh, or effectively use legislation to give one company an an advantage over another company like this uh, effectively i call i wrote an article calling it a news corp tax uh the the legislation has in effect resulted in australia being not just then the, the Australian arm of News Corp may not even see any of this money. It may be a global agreement between two American companies where the Australian government doesn't even get to see any uh, any of the, you know, they take a slice of what the oh, newspapers right, cause, cause used to get on sort of, advertising. Yeah, because yeah, the News Corp sort of profit is probably going to be paid to the US. Right. It's, <laughs> uh, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, the, the long and short of it is, uh, I think I've been very like you, very harsh on this legislation. And I think this point is a super important one because it is a tax that is, you know, 
that's not called a tax. It's sort of a forced payment from one private company to another, which which is problematic for all sorts of reasons. Mm. And it's problematic for the way that it is uh, – the reasoning is described. It just doesn't follow the way the internet works. And it's been very problematic the way it's been covered by the media broadly. Like if you – like it's so queer if, – if you ever wanted a queer example of conflict of interest, the fact right. that – it, you know, very, very few publications have covered this in a, in a factually correct way. Like, and again, the framing has always been Google doesn't want to pay. Google's obviously clearly willing to pay. They've been paying all over the world. They don't want their algorithms messed with and they don't want to have to pay for links and search, right? Like, which again, I think is pretty reasonable, but right. we should tell the story correctly. But, but I do think there is, you know, I think this is a situation where you see this again and again, it's taking a shortcut to solve what is a legitimate problem like and i again because there's so many things to criticize it's easy to skate over the fact that we do have a problem of who pays for news because news Mm -hmm. on the internet it's not like once it's out there the value is zero because it exists right it can be spread like it's facts and and it can be spread on twitter it can be spread on facebook or whatever it might be again you don't need to post a news story you could just summarize the fact oh this Mm. x thing happened and but we still need like fact finding we need journalism to report on what's happening and you know and i it's fair to point out that sort of the the new models that are emerging Mm. like the new york times for example are less about reporting news and more about analyzing news. Like the New York Times is is shifting closer to the Strickery model than Strickery is shifting to the New York Times model, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, let's give context to the news. And if you, I'm not being snarky. This is what they've said explicitly. In that 2020 report they wrote you know, multiple years ago that was really, I thought, prescient and one of the smartest things written by a journalist company about journalism, they were clear that we can't be in the, pure news business because we're not going to make any money. We mm. have to do something that appeals to subscribers that have a point of view. And, and so, and so the, but that raised the question, well, who's, who's getting the facts, who's doing the stuff that doesn't really pay. And I, I am very open actually to the fact that this is something that it's worth subsidizing. So like the mm. BBC model or the ABC yeah. model along those lines. But it, it, I, and I think the frustration that you're expressing that I share is we need to be honest about this and do it right because there's going to be a lot of unintended consequences where, for example, is the Australian, is the Australian, wait, which one is the Rupert Murdoch big one? Uh, the Australian. Yeah, is the, is the Australian concerned first and foremost with, with sort of reporting or is it concerned first and foremost with analysis? And by analysis, I mean creeping into opinion where it's mm. sort of pushing a particular direction. Well, you know, we know Rupert Murdoch's history. We can see how this played out directly. We know he said he cares about influence. And it's like, are we actually funding the things that we care about? I mean, journalism has taken this license of calling everything journalism. And I'm very explicit. Stratechery is not journalism. I'm not a journalist. And this isn't because I have a thing against journalists. It's because I value journalism. And I want to be super clear. That's not what I'm doing, right? Mm. I'm providing my point of view on the news. I'm not actually discovering the news but again that that is valuable and there is a question about how to pay for it and and it's and so to criticize this law and i sorry i'm kind of ranting but what's frustrating about discussion of this law is it has Mm. conflated yes it has conflated yes everything into journalism instead of talking about this very specific point of like fact finding and that is an essential thing that we don't know how to pay for and we do need to figure out 
That is, that is the fundamental criticism of what this is. It is a conflation. These are separate issues. There is a, there is a what to do about the, 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 and to extend it, what to do about the, the digital platforms, these giants that are unlike anything we've seen before, and what to do about journalism. And they should be dealt with separately. And the right way of dealing with it, if you think they need to be taxed, and I actually am very sympathetic to that point of view, is to tax them and then figure out how to distribute that money in such a way that supports um, that supports journalism built for the internet era, as opposed to propping up. I like again. I struggle to call what Rupert Murdoch does journalism in many instances, but st- propping up news organizations that were built in a prior era and f- figuring out what those new models are, I think, is super val- valuable. Like, and, and and the fact that we're able to talk about stuff like this on this podcast or Stratechery or the the model that you described, where you have a local journalist have a subscription, and sometimes because. Sometimes he'll write in that newsletter, oh, man, I, I checked and there's no news of note today. And and sometimes he like goes deep into a specific issue. I think there's so much promise in that. And Substack and the like that's arising up right now suggests that there is something to it. But th- this... This doesn't support that. This this entrenches what we already had, and I don't even feel particularly good about what we already had. Well, I think the, an, an analogy to think about is like the antitrust stuff, where I think people are, as I've articulated, I think people are worried about these big companies because they're big. Like that, that, that's mm. the, like because it's very hard to argue that Google does not provide tremendous consumer welfare, oh, or that totally. Facebook provides tremendous consumer welfare, but they worry that. The, but the power it yeah. also has unintended consequences, and so people reach. For for antitrust because traditionally antitrust is how we deal with big things. Mm. But my argument has been actually I think the internet is different. Uh, it really is different this time. And mm. uh, which obviously anyone who's built their career in antitrust disagrees with because that means their career is perhaps not applicable to this new era, mm. which is fine. I, I get that. But my argument is that no, it is different. And just like we passed antitrust laws 130 years ago, we mm-hmm. need to pass new laws today for this right. new era and be like oh but passing laws is hard i'm like well okay yeah do the hard work right. and i think it's a similar thing here where it's like this is kind of the easy route well there i could figure out how to deal with this pass a tax pax a law figure out how to fund local journalism or i'm the government i have guns i can put a gun to your head and make you pay right. and, and make the and make you know and say i solve the problem and i think that that's it, it feels like a similar kind of shortcut and and again i i think a little bit of defense of the government. It, they're not the only ones holding guns because Murdoch is holding a gun to their head and saying, do this or I'm going to use all the weapons at my disposal inside your country to uh, to, to like make the case that you're not a great government come the next election. Yep, and it's that, interesting. Yep, yep. yep. And because- is, is that journalism? It's absolutely not journalism. And, right. and it's like the have- comic of like the one guy with the gun to the one guy, or the, yeah. the, the, the uh, what is it? The the astronaut comic where it's like, oh, it's this or whatever. It always has been. He's like holding the gun yeah. to his head. But it's yeah. like the, the government is holding one gun, and then behind there's Rupert Murdoch holding another one. It, it's right. guns, guns all the way down. It, it is guns all the way down. And and the opposition parties in Australia feel the same thing because they rely on Murdoch's influence to get in. And so they're reluctant to criticize it beyond fixing blatantly obvious things like making sure that the 
public journalism as as represented by the ABC is supported. And the only politicians that seem to be uh, comfortable coming out criticizing Murdoch and News Corp inside of Australia are the ex-politicians, former Prime Minister uh, Malcolm Turnbull, former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd. They're the only ones that will come out and say, this has got to stop. We need to do something about it. He has too much influence in the country because if you're running and you go out and say like that, he uses that influence and he stops you from being successful. You feel better now? No, I really don't feel good about the way this has played out. It's 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 distressing to me because there was a really big opportunity to the rhetoric around Australia being groundbreaking and leading the path around getting this right. That rhetoric, I believe in that rhetoric, but then I look at the results of what's happened and literally it's a tax on the digital platforms. And again, I'm not I'm not going to sing their praises all the time. That they have their problems, but it is a transfer of wealth from one company to another. It does nothing for the Australian public. It is there's so much opportunity missed. It is so disappointing. You feel better now? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Well, we're going to be a little short today. Well, we actually didn't have much time, but uh, y- 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 as we are now all could tell, you needed to get that off your chest. I did. And we're in the same time zone. So I'm going to, as things pop up and I need to get them off my chest, I'm going to be firing the, I don't have to fire the bat signal as far anymore. It's like from <laughs> from one humid city in Asia to another. So I, I might I might use it a little bit more and I'll We'll stop getting harassed on Twitter about when the next exponent's coming. And everyone blames me for it. It's like, you're the one that's trapsing the world. I'm the one that's sitting here not doing yeah, anything. Yeah, I know. It's been, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, you know, James, how are you? Oh, yeah, not bad. I'm just in Australia at the moment. I'm about to go to Singapore. They're like, you know there's a pandemic going on, don't you? Yeah. It's, it's been a little surreal. Traveling internationally was absolutely surreal. Like empty airports, empty airplanes. It was crazy. But I feel very lucky to be here. Sounds good. Well, uh, that was good. We, we, we thought about potentially talking about Clubhouse and things this week, but like, mm. we'll have to save it for another time. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you later. Good catching up. See you. Yep. Bye-bye.